Welcome to The Good, The Bad, and The Science, the show that breaks down the science of television and movies with a comedian and a scientist. Today, we're discussing Happy Feet, so I'll ask about tap-dancing penguins, singing penguins, and Spanish-speaking penguins. But first, a short word from our sponsor. The Hi, everyone. I'm your host, Ethan Edinburgh, and I've got two wonderful guests joining me today. Our first guest is a stand-up comedian from Northern California. Welcome to the show, Josh Waldron. Hello, everybody. Ethan, thanks for having me. Absolutely, Josh. Now, do you say NorCal? I've been living in SoCal for eight years now, and I never say SoCal. Right, yeah. I I haven't really heard anybody claim SoCal because they claim, like, generally their city. Um... But in, when it comes to the NorCal, I actually adapt per person. If it's someone from up there, I'll say the Bay Area. But if it's someone mm. not from California, I will say Northern California. Got it. Okay. See, and, and I can already tell that you're a kind, compassionate man. Because oh. you are adjusting your response based on the person, based on where they are coming from. Oh, nice. Cool. I didn't know I was doing that. So cool. I'll throw it on the old res. Yeah, yeah. Instead of just being proud and saying some small city no one's heard of and then making fun of them for not knowing it. <laughs> oh, yeah. Which no. is also an option. My small town that no one's heard of also has like two prisons and an Air Force base next to it. So it doesn't it makes fun of itself. Wow. Okay. So shout it out. Prison town. What is it? <laughs> uh, Vacaville. CMF is right next to it. And then another huge one. Vacaville. What a name. Too. Yeah. Cowtown. Cowtown. How's it feel? I got to ask you before I introduce the next guest. Uh, live shows are back. I mean, you must be through the roof. I'm through the roof. Oh, I it's been a it's been a joy. I actually just got back from uh, Florida over the weekend. I before this all start uh, everything stopped. I was doing comedy festivals and EDM festivals and trying to mix them, and I was just able to do that again. And people are just really really stoked to be laughing again. Like they're just excited to be out and about like listening to people like the amount of people that are like thank you so much has like definitely like doubled tripled since uh since the pandemic started yeah usually it's just people like spitting and uh, throwing a beer <laughs> or and saying, saying you're not funny yeah saying that they could do it and their friends think they're funny <laughs> right exactly um our next guest i'm very excited to have on she is a marine scientist a diver an expedition leader and presenter it's charlie young hey everybody how's it going charlie very good. I'm currently cooped up in a cupboard, feeling very hot and sweaty. <laughs> that sounds... I, I I know it's not, but it sounds like a very common British slang <laughs> to say cooped up in a cupboard. It's true. All of us are brought up this way. Have you seen Harry Potter? <laughs> <laughs> it's it's It means exactly what it is, though. Unfortunately, you are literally inside of a cupboard recording this <laughs> podcast. <laughs> I am, and this is where marine biologists spend most of their day, sadly. <laughs> I can just imagine you, like, to your left is some crackers, and to your right, it's, like, some cookies. <laughs> yeah, I've actually got a, a weird fish tank in front of me, and then a lot oh. of diving equipment, a tent above my head, and then a duvet suspended, oh. which could ca cave in at any point. So if anyone hears a loud crash, that's what it is. <laughs> Great, so you're going to be losing your mind during this podcast. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Um, okay, so listen, before we dive into Happy Feet Penguin World, I have a hunch that you are very passionate about plastic pollution and sustainability. Um, we've covered this from time to time on the podcast. Uh, so I always want to know if you could give us like some tips uh, to live more sustainably for the ocean. 
Yeah, so there's lots of different things that you can do. I mean, you know, the number one to go for is to reduce your plastic footprint. So, you know, we can all avoid single-use plastic. And the beauty of the world now is that there are so many different alternatives out there. And so we, we, you know, have the ability to you know, go out and buy our vegetables not packaged in plastic because that's something that they tend to love to do over here. Um, mm-hmm. And I mean, you know, there's there's lots of different ways that our oceans are being impacted by different things. So, you know, even coming down to things like the sunscreen that you wear. So certain sunscreens can have a really bad impact on the oceans because of the chemicals in them, you know, can cause bleaching on coral reefs. Um, so things wow. like that, obviously reducing your carbon footprint. Um you know, I, I've chosen to go for a plant-based diet. That's another great way that you can reduce your carbon footprint and your impact on our planet. Um, and, you know, the beauty of this is that, you know, the sustainability movement really is starting to gear up. And in the last couple of years, um, there's just been a huge wave of support for it. So those those are just a couple of things. Um, I mean, I could probably go on for ages. But as I say, oxygen is depleting rapidly in this room. <laughs> 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 okay, well, unfortunately, we're just getting started, Charlie. So, uh, <laughs> um, I, I want to ask specifically about the the sunscreen. I had another uh, a scientist tell me something similar. Is there because I got to go buy some? I, I got to be honest with you. Mm. I am white as all <laughs> hell, and I need to put on sunscreen almost mm. every day. So, what what should I look out for? Is there a specific chemical that if I see it in the sunscreen, I go no, and I slap it away? from the shelf yes as aggressively as possible um so you're looking out for oxybenzo and octanoxate those are two of the the worst chemicals that you need to keep an eye out for and they're a mouthful as well um and so there are a couple of you know reef safe alternatives out there one that i use is stream to sea um and that's that's great you know the, you know, I'm, I'm extremely white as well, so um, it's really important that I find a sunscreen that works, um, and that mm-hmm. one does, so it saved me and also saving reefs at the same time. What more could you want? Yeah, nothing. Uh, stream to Sea, it's called. Mm-hmm. Shout out. Shout out. Okay. Shout out, Stream Shout to out. Sea. Stream to Sea, sponsor the show. Send me a <laughs> bunch of sunscreen. Okay, so also, I need to ask, you've done wild swimming, which I didn't even know there was a term for this. Mm -hmm. But so have you had close calls? Have you had to punch a shark in the eye? Have you been wrapped (laughs) up by a snake? Wild swimming to me sounds like... (laughs) A a a snake? (laughs) Yeah, I don't know. Water snake, anaconda. (laughs) They they hang out by the the rivers, uh, from what I can tell from the documentary film Anaconda. (laughs) (laughs) I mean... um, the UK, unfortunately, is not as exotic and exciting <laughs> as other places around the world. So sadly, my wild swimming escapades have, you know, probably the the scariest thing that I've had to encounter was a pike. Um, and even they're not scary. Although you should definitely Google a picture of a pike because they weirdly look like crocodiles and it freaks me out. Um but I suppose the other, you know, big thing you have to watch out for here in, in, you know, British rivers, for example, is when you're getting in, you know, sometimes there can be some aggressive cows in the field. So you've got to watch those cows. Um, but you're probably, <laughs> <laughs> you're probably most at risk from being attacked by a wet wipe um, than anything else in the UK. <laughs> because wet wipes are obviously getting... Sorry, I need to give you some context to that. That might sound Please. very random. Um, but we have a massive... <laughs> sorry. 
thousand wet wipes are the biggest threat to English national national security. <laughs> yeah. Oh god. Spooky. Oh, so um, we have quite a big sewage issue here in the UK. So we. Oh no. Unfortunately. <laughs> This gets better and better. I'm really yes, selling I the UK. Can't wait to visit. <laughs> yeah, so, uh, this is good for the tourism board. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so, unfortunately, we we um <laughs> we don't deal with our sewage very well. <laughs> I like that you're taking responsibility. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, this has really tickled me. Gosh, wow. Anyway, <laughs> losing oxygen. <laughs> losing oxygen. You know what? It might genuinely be that. But anyway, so um, we have yeah. a sewage issue. A lot of sewage is um discharged into rivers um because of storm overflow and so wet wipes as well uk public think that putting wet wipes down the toilet is the right thing to do but no it's the three p's poo pee paper that's all that should ever go down a toilet so i actually use the uh the flushable wipes and so you're telling me that those ones you should stay away from those even the ones that say they're safe to be flushed down yes stay away from them i would say man that, that should be a whole sect of the judicial branch is like cracking down on these products that say it's okay to flush when they're not mm-hmm. or, you know, it's okay to recycle when they're not. I had another scientist on telling me that like certain things that say recyclable are not. Yep, it's so true. It was driving me absolutely bonkers. I can't believe that that's a real thing. Um, but anyways, uh, hopefully segueing us into Happy Feet, I saw a video <laughs> where you uh, rescued an African penguin, Charlie. Can you tell us about that? An, uh, wait a minute, an African penguin. I feel like this is a Am fantastic... <laughs> I've been wrong before. <laughs> it was a green sea turtle, but we can go with penguin if we want. <laughs> Okay. You, well, you can tell us about that, but I'm going to look this up. I've, I'm pretty. I, I want to say that I'm, I'm confident, which is also rare. <laughs> well, I mean, unless I've lived, uh, you know, I've got some sort of doppelganger, or I'm living a, I don't know, a life that I don't know. At night, apparently, I come alive and start doing things that I can't remember. Um, but no, it was a oh, green sea. I would love to uncover that. Yeah, <laughs> that would be pretty <laughs> cool. Um, but it, yes, I am um, back in. 2019 now I was on holiday in Oman and um, happened to travel to a place that's known to be a a breeding site for green sea turtles and basically went down onto the beach at night had a wonderful evening watching you know the females come onto the shore and lay their eggs under a starry night sky it was beautiful and so we thought okay I'll go back in the morning and see if I can find any hatchlings and anyway got down to the beach and wandering along and then just see something just kind of flailing about and I look closer and it's a, it's a fully grown uh, female turtle and as I get closer I realise that she's stuck in between rocks and so what ensued was about half an hour of grappling to try and get this green sea turtle out from between these rocks and eventually we did it um, and it was yeah probably one of the most emotional and incredible moments of my life I never ever ever want to do it again but you know to have say that I've lived through it and that we happily rescued this female turtle you know means the world and now they've kind of become like my spirit animal now for every Christmas birthday I can pretty much guarantee that I will get something that is 
a turtle or has a turtle on it. So it's almost become this, oh. this yeah, spirit animal for me now. Thank you for rescuing that uh, sea turtle. They've become a good friend of mine. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> um, I appreciate that. And I've, I've, I don't want to tell you you're wrong. I don't want to tell you you're going crazy in the cupboard. <laughs> but uh, you are tagged in this video. It's by Eco Sapien. <laughs> it's on YouTube. It's an African penguin rescue i will send it to you oh so that my I'm goodness not... okay this makes so much sense now i thought you were going balmy but now i've realized that i presented a um short mini film on african penguin um so the oh gosh sankob it's called the conservation yes. organization in south africa that rescues uh, the penguins there so you know what it's a half truth it's half wrong half true <laughs> Hey, listen, as long as it segues us into Penguin Talk, it I does. did my job. <laughs> I'm glad we got the correct answer, but I did like thinking that uh, she had a, uh, an alter ego. Where, yeah, at, no, at night where she just was out superheroing random wildlife and then putting it on Instagram. Yeah, it's like a positive version of Fight Club where uh, yeah, when, exactly. she, <laughs> when she's asleep, she does good philanthropic work. And, and then they all become her like little friends and soldiers and help her on her adventures. It, it's a show that like you're really just living out. Absolutely. We should do this. I'm writing out the pilot outline right now. <laughs> so Happy Feet, um, I believe this is the first time I have seen Happy Feet. I don't know <gasps> what happened in 2006. I Either I watched it and forgot, which is also totally a possibility, um, but I did not remember it while I was watching. And it's weird because... I often, if somebody asked me what my favorite animal is, I would say penguin. I've always had some sort of weird connection with penguins. I think they're adorable. But either way, had a great time watching this movie um, and wanted your take on it. Uh, when did you first see it and, and what do you think about it? Yeah, so I definitely was one of those eager little kids that uh, was you know ready as soon as it came out i remember watching it but I, I you know what i wasn't such a fan of the movie back then and i'm not entirely sure why um i think maybe i just as a kid i was very nerdy and maybe just couldn't come to terms with the fact that you know these penguins were singing like they're in sort of some sort of musical and i, I don't know it just it, it didn't it didn't quite hit the heartstrings whereas when i watched it this time i was like what have i been doing with my life it's amazing and i'm completely in love hook line and sinker yeah yeah it's uh it's really fun and uh well josh what do you think uh, well, actually, it's it's funny that you say you've had this connection to penguins your whole life because I too have had a connection to penguins my whole life. I've always gotten All little right. toys or or little shirts, and uh, I think I remember there was an early viral video of a penguin tripping another penguin, and I was like, okay, so they're funny. I think I'll, <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll I think I'll pick I'll I'll, I'll pick these animals uh, or birds, I guess. Um, I I also remember seeing it and like I liked it because I liked the penguin part and I liked Robin Williams. But then when the uh, the dad penguin Memphis and El an Elvis substitute uh, when he starts saying it's not penguin, I was like, man, I didn't know they're gonna get like exclusionary in this like musical children's film. Yeah, I agree with you. There was, I mean, really an assortment of interesting characters. The the uh, the old uh, wise man character was also very intense for me. He was like really like a scary looking penguin. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know if he was... Were they all the same type of penguin? Maybe that's a good first question. Were they all emperor penguins? Is that right? 
Yeah, so um, Mumble and all of his um, family members and the the wider colony, they're all emperor penguins. Um, And so they're the largest penguin species. Um, And yeah, so they come together in those big colonies usually during the breeding season um and you know it's it's amazing actually because sometimes when you watch these animation movies you you know you can absolutely rip them to shreds in terms of the science but i was actually pretty impressed you know apart from the fact that it's pretty far-fetched that they might all start singing you know rap and r&b you know slightly far-fetched it was actually pretty good and i was i was quite impressed actually with the robustness i'm gonna say of um the science behind it and i think that was represented pretty well of course mumble doesn't look anything like what a normal emperor penguin should look like but i think that that was just a creative decision made by the animation team to to try and make him stand out because the truth is it is so hard to distinguish between a male and female emperor penguin you know the males way more but they're actually pretty hard to tell the difference and i think the only way that you can do it is by a very small spot on their beak i think if it's a male it's orange if it's a female it's pink but really it's very very difficult but the one sure way of knowing is when the women decide to abandon the men for the long winter ahead right yeah that was something else i was going to ask about and uh and we'll dive into the robustness as you said of the accuracy of this film right after the break The break is over. Here we go. Back to the show about science. We're back from that break, and it was a great one, right, guys? It was amazing. (laughs) Yeah, I feel feel good and braked. (laughs) Good and braked. Um, So we were talking about the females leaving for fishing season, I believe, right? Yep. Why does that happen? Why don't don't the males... uh, is Is it because it's tougher to withstand the icy long winters like is it a more annoying job and so the females are like hey hey, screw this let's just go you know fishing and they can just stand here with eggs for the entire winter yeah i mean there is no denying that what the males have to go through is possibly one of the most I guess difficult things that I I know of an animal doing in the animal kingdom you know this egg time as they refer to it is brutal you know the females disappear back off to sea and the crazy thing about emperor penguins is that they actually do something pretty unusual and they decide to breed and then lay their eggs during the winter months so they do this incubation during winter which is like the most harsh you know conditions that you could ever imagine you know antarctica the temperatures can get down to minus 20 degrees and so yes you have to have a lot of physical strength and so i believe that it's the males that do it because they are a bit heavier a bit bigger i mean personally i think they're just very progressive and they're just taking this whole you know balance of you know the men and the women having kind of like equal caregiving um responsibilities to a new level and i love it um but you know as i said It's brutal. And the most incredible thing is that the males spend practically 65 days, like two months, just huddling in these massive circles, as you see in the movie. 
and waddling around with an egg balancing on their feet, you know, hidden inside this little brood pouch. And they just go round and round and they don't eat and they just do it solidly for two months. And it's just mind blowing how they're able to survive that. I mean, minus 20 degrees. And, you know, it's because that they're really well adapted in many different ways so they've got incredibly dense feathers which mean that they can trap heat close to their bodies they've got you know very thick fat layers which also helps to insulate them and another incredible thing about this brood pouch is that it's highly sensitive to temperature changes so the emperor dad can actually work out how cozy and how warm the egg is and it can actually regulate the temperature and add a little extra coverage to make sure that it's it's keeping this egg cozy and, and at the right temperature and as i said they do this for two months and then eventually the females will come back after spending the same amount of time out to sea and um, yeah, then they're reunited and then the caregiving kind of becomes more of an equal share. But it's just phenomenal what, what they do. And I have so much respect for them for it. Wow. Um, this brings up so many questions to my mind that I didn't even have notes on. So like, number one, <laughs> what you're telling me is that penguins, although we all think of them as cute and fluffy, are kind of the most badass animal. That's what I'm hearing. Mm hmm. Um, for, for, you know, going through these super tough uh, conditions. And the spot thing is crazy to me. You're telling me that there's the only way to tell them apart is that a, a spot on their beak where one is orange and one is pink? Yeah, so there's usually in the animal kingdom, you've got something called sexual dimorphism, where you see quite a stark difference between the male and female. So a perfect example is if you look at a silverback male, so a gorilla, for example, the silverbacks are so much bigger, you know, beefier, more muscular, and it's very easy to tell them apart. Um, whereas, you know, the emperor penguins, they, they look very, very similar. And so, yes, from what I've read, it is just, very subtle differences like that i think the males as well are characteristically a bit bigger they weigh more um but it is pretty pretty hard to tell the difference and then the egg uh in the movie our elvis impersonator uh memphis drops the egg and and the the voiceover narration is telling us like the one thing you really don't want to do is drop this egg <laughs> and <laughs> and you know supposedly that's what makes mumble so unique um <laughs> Is that accurate? Is is it a big problem if somebody drops an egg for a minute or two during these two months? I mean, I don't know the specific length of time that it would take for it to have a measurable impact on, you know, the developing chick inside. But, uh, you know, it temperature is crucial um, and if you think of just how extreme the temperatures are you know getting down to minus 20 there isn't going to be a long period of time you know within which that egg's been dropped and potentially it could damage the chicken side um, so you know I think that uh, the way that Mumble came out, they were trying to find a way to maybe, you know, give a reason for why he was different. Um, but yeah, I think that 
any egg that isn't incubated and kept warm um, throughout this, you know, huddling exercise um, probably wouldn't have a great chance of surviving. Um, so, yeah, it's incredibly crucial and important that they're kept warm for the entire period. This makes sense. Uh, I like that things are checking out in this very silly movie. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> and and why do they, I mean, I assume it's part of the temperature regulation thing where they all get, huddle together yep. uh, during these months. Is that, yeah, that that's why that happens? Yeah, so that's essentially just a really clever way of them staying warm. So I read somewhere that it can get up to, you know, I think it's 70 degrees Fahrenheit in the center. So it can be pretty, wow. it can be pretty, pretty warm and um, there was a mathematician that did a study actually to look at you know how, why is this huddling exercise so good and basically because what it is is they're rotating but they all take an equal kind of share of being on the outside and then being on the inside and basically it's it's probably the best visual representation of what a democracy should be um, and you know <laughs> yeah. that they, they all benefit from it and they did the stats they did the analysis and worked out that you know it might appear at first like some people have got the short end of the straw um but actually you know they all rotate and they all take it in turns and it's just an incredibly great great way of conserving heat staying warm and also protecting themselves from you know the incredibly harsh weather um because you know winds in antarctica can be just so cold and so intense and so it's just a really clever natural invention for them staying warm and keeping their eggs warm wow i mean it's unbelievable they're geniuses these penguins are strong geniuses um i love that and we got to touch on the tap dancing and the singing Mm -hmm. so i don't know if they have certain calls obviously birds have all different types of like beautiful songs and calls um I know you mentioned that it's a bit far-fetched that they're singing R&B, um, <laughs> but do they have different uh, songs? Do different penguins sing at each other or, or I don't know, whistle or, or squawk? Yes, so vocalizations are an incredibly important part, you know, of of penguins' behavior and ecology. Um, And they do, they do sing, but just not as you see it in in the movies. And so they use it to locate their mates, to find their young, um, and they have individual calls so they can distinguish themselves from the crowd. Because, you know, colonies can be up to thousands of individuals like you know a a lot of penguins in one place um and so yeah they they do use their calls and and the way that it's 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 very cute i love the idea of a heart song that we all have our own song um and that's unique to us and i suppose you know that that is true in the movie that you know or in real life that penguins have their own calls um and they you know the way that they find each other is by you know spending they spend the summer out to sea gorging trying to get as fat as possible ready for breeding season then they all you know make this march back to the breeding area and then they all convene in these big groups and you know the males what they'll do is they'll go around and they'll sort of they look quite fluffed up and sort of strutting their stuff a bit like you see in the movie and they'll put their bill down onto their chest and then flick their head up and go (laughs) and kind of crawl at the sky and essentially they're you know this is their display this is their courtship they're like hey ladies um 
And essentially, something about males with deeper voices apparently attractive to the females. Um, and then once a male and female have kind of, you know, paired up and they like each other's song, they they don't dance as such, but they do have specific courtship behavior that makes their bond stronger. And so whilst they don't have a heart song, they actually do. And you might have seen pictures of this. They do actually, if you if you take a photo of a male and female together at a certain angle, what they do is they bow their heads together. So it does actually create a heart shape. And then they will raise their beaks up to the sky and then they stare intently at each other, which I think is a bit (laughs) weird and a bit intense, um, for a couple of minutes. And then they're like, that's it. Seal deal. Boom. That's us for this season. Um, But I hate to break it to everybody. They sadly are not as monogamous as the movie makes out. Ah. Okay, well, um, on the other side of this break, we're going to find out about penguins having affairs, cheating on each other, (laughs) a lot of penguin drama to come right after this. Penguin drama? I'm definitely coming back. The break is over. Here we go, back to the show about science. Okay, we're back. Uh, If you're here, you're here to listen to Charlie tell us about the scoundrel cheating bastard penguins that we all have come to know and love and now she's going to ruin it for us charlie (laughs) yeah so sadly i hate to break it to everybody whilst they're serially monogamous for a season they don't always mate with the same individual the following year dun 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 this is shocking news i've always thought that penguins were like the only species or only animal that like once they find their mate that's it it's like soulmates for life i don't know why that Mm. myth has been propagated well i i guess i've got some good news so um i always say their name wrong and i'm just going to say it the way i like to say it adeli penguins but i think it's adele adela adela oh gosh i love i prefer that's confusing because of the that's confusing because of the artist so let's (laughs) leave adele for adele and these are Adele. Adele Penguin. See, that's, that's what the movie was missing is an Adele song. Oh, my God, <laughs> yeah, it was. Right. It really was. Well, um, Hopefully they... Happy Feet 2 features it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I'm here to save the day a little bit with the monogamy. Um, so. Oh, great. They actually do mate for life as long as the individuals came back, uh, come back to the same breeding spot year on year. So there is still some hope for true love in the penguin world. I had my heart broken early on by the uh, penguin cheating thing because there's a, a Planet Earth documentary where a penguin like comes home to find his female, his wife penguin with another one. And then they mm. kind of like bully him and send him back just on his way. He obviously deserved it. Yeah. <laughs> Well, the saddest thing is, is that after he get, basically gets like manhandled by the bigger penguin, he tries to walk it off, but he trips over a stick in front of everybody. It's honestly the saddest. <laughs> like, I tried to do it as a bit, but it was just a sad penguin story, so no one wait, really laughed. Wait, wait, wait. Tripped over his stick. What yeah. What stick are we referring no, there, to? A, a oh, metaphorical no. <laughs> stick? <What>? No. <laughs> You know, um, sticks have other connotations in the UK, so I thought you were referring Aha. to his appendage. <laughs> um, oh. But... <laughs> <laughs> wow, I was gonna... I, it sounds like I was about to learn a lot more about penguins than I knew. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay, so I guess the stipulation is whether or not they come to the same spot. Is that what you're saying? Like, if they show up in the same spot season after season, they'll be together forever. But if they accidentally yes. wash back onto the icy shore somewhere else, then the female's going to be like, hey, snooze, you lose. 
Exactly. The mating need is strong and breeding must continue. Poor guys. Wow. I feel like that's a parallel also for here. It's like long distance doesn't really work. You know, if you're not around for a certain amount of time, the mating need is strong. I was going to say, maybe that's why I bonded with penguins early on, because that's how I met my girlfriend as I walked outside and just screamed into the air until she noticed me. Can you, is there any chance that you can replicate that for us, Josh? Uh, yeah, let me back up just because I know I was a little too loud earlier. All right, one second. Oh! All right, did you guys hear that? That was it. She doesn't like me to do it for other people, so I try not to, but... Oh, I could totally see where she's coming from, though. That was hot. <laughs> where'd, you, where'd you live? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> In the valley. It's a little cold here, so penguins could survive. <laughs> okay, so we, we discussed them singing. We got to talk about the tap dancing. Mm-hmm. Mumble is an expert tap dancer, naturally. Mm-hmm. Um, do penguins exhibit this type of behavior at all? I don't think that there's necessarily any evidence to say that they specifically tap dance, but um, I'm a firm believer that if they wanted to, they could. So, you know, absolutely. (laughs) I'm an advocate for it. I definitely think if they wanted to, they could. Emperor penguins, though, I don't know. You know, they're they're a little bit more re- re- like reserved about their dancing. So you know, about as extravagant as it gets is them sort of like flailing their head around upwards and downwards. Whereas it's the Adelie penguins that like to get the dance moves out a little bit more. Apparently, they flap their head around and their flippers during um, courtship. So they're a little bit more Ooh. animated. But again, you know, sadly, no action tap dancing I mean the rock hoppers which is another species of penguin that we see in the movie so that's Lovelace with all of his um, jazzy um, frills and um, sassy attitude um, they hop about so I mean that's probably as close to it probably gets to actually tap dancing is the rock hoppers hopping cool okay perfect name for them mm-hmm. <laughs> and can you tell me where penguins live because it's not just in Antarctica, right? They're kind of located uh, in a bunch of different places. Yes, so they're located in lots of different places. However, you know, all in the Southern Hemisphere, apart from you've got some penguins that are actually in the Galapagos of all places. Um, So you can find them in the Galapagos, you can find them in South Africa, you can even find them um, in Australia. So actually, I lived in Sydney for a little while and there was um, some penguins there. Um, But you've got five five species that live on the Antarctic uh, continent. And so that's kind of the stronghold for penguins. Okay, good to know. I'll be visiting shortly. Mm-hmm. Uh, although I hate the cold. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's um, going to be tough. <laughs> okay, I wanted to ask about one part in particular uh, to the movie where they're fishing mm. and a bird s- comes in, scoops in, and steals a fish from the penguin's mouth. Is mm-hmm. this something that would actually happen? I mean, you know, in those bait balls, so it was, it was a skewer that came in and took that fish off of um, Mumble. And, I mean, they're the pirates of the sea. They've got attitude. <laughs> they pretty much just, you know, they throw their, rate around, their weight around. So I'm, I'm saying that this is not 
that far-fetched. I'm pretty sure that there has probably been occasions where skewers have sort of like dived into the water and maybe, you know, stolen stolen a fish. I mean, in these bait balls, there can be quite a lot of confusion with diving birds and then obviously, you know, penguins and, and other animals under the water. And so I'm sure that there are frequent collisions and, and potentially a lot of scrambling for food. But skewers are actually... They're, they're more of an issue, actually, for predating... Well, they, they eat fish, they eat krill, but they also like to predate on penguins. So chicks are actually... So we, we, we even see it in the movie where mm-hmm. um, Mumble gets cornered and thankfully falls down that little crack in the ice. Um, skewers, <laughs> skewers will go for small chicks, and this is quite a wow. big problem for Adelie penguins. Um, you know, the, the skewers will take their eggs, they will predate on small chicks, and so, yeah, it is it is an actual problem. But you know what? There's a brilliant video out there. You should go and Google it where a skewer's trying it on with some emperor penguins that are a little bit older. So they've got their fluffy brown sort of uh, fluff that's come through. And they, they are going for it. They are really sort of like, you know, standing up to the skewer. Um, and it was really impressive to see because, I mean, emperor penguins, they get pretty big and they, they outgrow skewers pretty quickly. Wow, cool. Okay, I'll be looking up that video for sure. Mm-hmm. That sounds great. And then Mumble gets abducted, taken to the zoo uh, or an yes. aquarium. And, you know, so I have to ask if I see some penguins in a zoo or an aquarium... Are they unhappy? Is this a terrible place for them to be stored? <laughs> so, you know, there are some penguins um, that, you know, I mean, you see the the uh, South African penguins quite often in captivity. They are a lot easier to kind of look after. And I think, you know, the main issue, first of all, with just trying to keep species such as emperor and Adelie penguins is that, you know, they are true Antarctic species. They live in conditions, you know, they need to have uh, conditions kept at between like minus one and minus seven degrees because that's the conditions that they're used to. And so that takes a heck of a lot of energy to try and create a an environment that actually emulates their natural environment, you know, but in a zoo setting. So that makes them quite notorious difficult to look after Um, but also you know captivity is a really really interesting topic because it has its uses I arguably wouldn't be as into wildlife and have necessarily pursued the career that I have if I hadn't have been to the zoo as a kid and had the most amazing experience of my life seeing animals I've actually not even ever seen in the wild and so from an educational point of view it really does inspire people whether people actually then go on to contribute to helping to conserve these animals is another question but it undoubtedly sparks that interest but you know when you look at the kind of behavior and ecology of say the emperor penguin you know they they breed on ice and then they go out to sea and they can travel you know thousands of kilometers and spend months at sea traveling such long distances and can a zoo ever really provide that kind of life and so they really do miss out on a lot and i think that you know as we move forward 
we need to find maybe it's that certain species we just don't ever keep because of their you know the way that they live like elephants for example they they travel such long distances and orcas as well i mean keeping them in a pool the size of a thimble is just you know it's it's heartbreaking and so i i personally advocate for not having these animals in captivity um I would prefer to take people out there to see it. I know that has its own issue and definitely tourism is having an impact in Antarctica. But it's, yeah, it's a double-edged sword. And I, I, I know that from reading up a little bit more about the premise of the movie, that the director had actually been inspired about the zoo scene from actually seeing and visiting um, a zoo in Australia and seeing an emperor penguin stood facing the wall like that. So depression wow. with captive animals is an issue um, and there has to be a lot of enrichment and a lot of um, you know I guess yeah enrichment to ensure that they're having a good quality of life um, and I'm, I'm just not sure that captivity can ever truly um, provide that. Well on that uh, glittery lovely <laughs> note I could talk about penguins all day long we really need to schedule a happy feet to discussion I, I i love these animals and i'm loving them more and more by the minute but in order to keep you from not passing out due to lack of oxygen <laughs> we gotta wrap it up josh where can people see you where can people keep tabs on you what's going on uh so i first of all thank you for having me on the pod and uh charlie very informative you tried to claim you weren't an expert but that i felt very educated <laughs> by everything you said thank you so much yeah for a non-penguin expert that was incredibly impressive. All the info, it was very impressive. Um, uh, so I, you know, just Instagram, Josh Waldron sucks. And then uh, <laughs> this weekend, <laughs> after uh, after next weekend, I'm actually recording my own like first little special with Don't Tell um, Ethan. Oh. I know you know. I know you know Kyle. So yes. I uh, I host and book the San Diego ones. And so next Saturday, I'm gonna film like this 30 minute thing to eventually release on YouTube and Spotify. Nice. Okay. Congrats, man. Can't wait Thank to you. see that. Um, wish I was invited. Jesus, San Diego. <laughs> sounds great. Well, um, we just met. The invite usually comes after the show, right? Yeah, that's a good point. One last thing. I'm so sorry. Yeah, if yeah. you if you just want to Google home wrecking penguin, that's the video that I was talking about. Like it's lit. <laughs> great. It's literally it's literally titled home wrecking penguin. It, it gets a little brutal. I'm t I'm being honest, but it is an interesting video. I'm watching that straight after this. <laughs> yeah, same. I have it pulled up. Home wrecking penguin. Perfect. Charlie, I I know you have a YouTube channel. Uh, people should check out. But but yeah, anything else uh, you want to tell people about, please. Yeah, so um, you can find me all over social media like a rash. So as you said, <laughs> I've got a YouTube channel um, and also heavily active on Instagram. So my handle is ocean underscore magpie. Um, and then, yeah, if you just search for Charlie Young, marine scientist on YouTube, you'll find me there. Thank you so much to you both uh, for watching the movie and for coming on the show. And, uh, and yeah, I hope we speak soon. I hope you have a wonderful day. You too. You too. Thank you, Charlie. Get some air. Will do. <gasps> <laughs> Bye. Bye. Bad Science is a seeker podcast produced by Emily Feld and me, Ethan Edinburgh. The executive producer is Brett Kushner, and our social media is managed by Blue Whale Media. And please leave us an iTunes review. Give us five stars. I sound like an Uber driver, but it does help. It makes sure people know about the podcast, which we really appreciate. Thanks for listening. Bye.